Wednesday was supposed to be an opportunity for Eric Greitens to revel in his accomplishments before lawmakers. In his second State of the State address since becoming governor in 2017, Greitens reflected on his year in office and charted out what he wanted to do in 2018. We promised the people of Missouri that we would fight for them. We have and we will. We promised the people of Missouri we would do different. We have and we will. We promised the people of Missouri that we would fight for the least among us, the counted out and the forgotten. We have and we will. But soon after Greitens left the floor of the Missouri House, KMOV made sure that few people would be talking about his public policy agenda. Good evening. Within the last 30 minutes, Governor Eric Greitens confirmed to News 4 that he did have an extramarital affair. A News 4 investigation prompted... This all happened before he became governor, but the details were shocking. Greitens acknowledged he was unfaithful to his wife before he took office. The station's report said the affair took place in 2015 when he was ramping up his bid for statewide office. It also featured a tape recording of a woman talking about how Greitens took a photo to prevent her from revealing the infidelity. The woman is still publicly unidentified and has not commented or confirmed anything on the tape. KMOB's report features comments from the woman's ex-husband, a man who was given anonymity. Greitens' attorney forcefully denied that any picture was taken or that Greitens threatened the woman against revealing the affair. He went on to add in a written statement that, quote, the governor is in no way considering resigning. But St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner opened a criminal investigation, and some lawmakers like Senator Jamila Nasheed believe Greitens needs to go. And the Me Too movement uh, that's going on throughout the country now, that Me Too movement is in the governor's mansion. That shouldn't be happening. Greitens isn't getting a lot of support from his fellow Republicans. In fact, some who Greitens personally attacked are broaching the possibility of impeachment. Even some GOP lawmakers that worked well with the governor say he should resign if the blackmail allegations are true. This prompted David Barklage, a veteran Republican political consultant who campaigned against Greitens, to remark how castigating, quote, career politicians as Greitens did has consequences. Candidly, there are obviously people that are going to be winners and losers if he were to leave office. I I think it's more accurate to say that when you have a lot of friends, they'll stand up for you and defend you. Uh, when you don't have a lot of friends, people will just be silent. Silence is the killer here. So I don't see necessarily interest uh, coming forward that don't like him to try to use this to kill him. I think it's more the fact that they'll be silent and, and let him, you know, uh, let him implode on his own if that's what happens. Others like former Missouri Republican Party Chairman John Hancock believe Greitens can survive if he's forthcoming. If this is all there is and there's no other revelations that come out about this instance, or certainly if there's no other women, uh, then I do think he survives it. Uh, he was quick to put out a statement. And, you know, in these matters, when you're dealing in a crisis situation, uh, you need to get a statement out there that will withstand the test of time. So on this special edition of Politically Speaking, Joe Manis and I reflect on this week's political earthquake and look at whether Greitens can hang on to his job. Welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio today is... Colleague Joe Manis. And Joe, I don't want to be too hyperbolic. (laughs) Um, We both have reported on a lot of stories over the years. You reported on Governor Carnahan's plane crash. Yes. We both covered Tom Schweik's suicide. We covered the legitimate rape scandal with 
Todd Akin. And John Deal. Don't forget the House Speaker who ended up having uh, an un, an untoward relationship with an intern. This has to be one of the craziest and most startling and shocking weeks of my professional reporting career. I don't know about you. It's not shocking. I mean, it, it has been a busy week, but frankly, it doesn't shock me. I mean, and not because of the person involved. It's just because in politics— that this stuff just happens. And again, I really compare this a little bit to some of the Bill Clinton stuff that came out in 1997. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to spend most of this show talking about the political and public policy implications of the revelation that Governor Eric Greitens had an extramarital affair before he was in office and also the allegations that he blackmailed this woman to not speak out about it. Uh, I do want to provide a little bit of, of of context for our listeners, because if you were listening to St. Louis on the air yesterday, Don Marsh asked me directly, did did I know about this? And I and I want to just be honest. Yes, I did know about this in November. Well, we knew some things about this. Let's let's put somebody this... who is not a fan of the governor tipped me off about this without going into many details. I did talked to a couple of people off the record about it. I didn't get a terribly large amount of information. And while Joe and I talked about this, because I made sure Joe was informed, we we ended up not aggressively pursuing this story as, well, as other people. And there were other outlets who probably pursued it more aggressively than us, I would say. Well, we're a small outlet. B, I had heard stuff too. So Jason and I had conversations off and on. And again, it's not like we had something that was packaged. I mean, we're you're hearing rumors. This and was I wanna, rumors. And I, I want to emphasize, I just came off the taping of a TV show. And what I noted was that there's so many rumors of a sexual nature involving people in Jefferson City. You could build a fat newspaper and run stuff every day on some of that stuff. Some of it's true. Some of it's not true. Some of it's innuendo. So you never really know exactly when people are are, are floating stuff around how much of it is actually true. And frankly, in the age when you've got some people, uh, I'm thinking uh, of certain extremists who are trying to float fake stories to see if the press will will uh, snag on stuff that there's not proof of, you have to be wary when you hear this stuff, especially if there's no corroborating evidence. And in this case... Uh, the main thing that caused everybody to write about it was because Governor Greitens did admit that he had an extramarital affair. The woman involved has yet to say a thing. And that's really important here. Very I- important because all this stuff that's being floated around is by her ex-husband who has an audio tape that he says. He, he, the woman did not know she was being audio taped. And I, there are other outlets who got this information that that passed, the audio. that passed on this story because they could not get the woman to make the accusation herself. Well, in fact, uh, the longer version of the audio, I was in an outlet that had the longer version. He says at the top of it when he's having this alleged discussion with a woman that he says is his wife. We don't know for sure if this is the woman. We're assuming it is. She says this isn't leaving. They were speaking in a car. And and she says, now, this is not leaving this car. And he said, of course not. Well, he lied to her. So, I mean, it, so the point and the governor's full name is never used in the conversation. So I want to talk a little bit about why people 
are reacting so strongly to this. And I want to break it down in a couple of ways. The first reason is the governor came into office basically through a campaign that emphasized both his resume and his character. And his outsider status. And his outsider status. And I think a lot of people are taken aback by the revelation that in the run-up to announcing this, because this apparently happened in 2015 when he was actively raising money for this, he was at the same time having this extramarital affair. In addition to this, Governor Greitens has not been shy about attacking other people on personal matters. I'm going to play this clip from our 2016 GOP debate. This is July 2016 between the four uh, Republican candidates for governor. And basically, I'll set this up a little bit before I play. What you'll hear first is now former Lieutenant Governor Peter Kinder criticizing then-candidate Greitens for taking a million-dollar donation from a, a controversial donor. I don't want to go too much into the backstory because this the clip speaks for itself. And it's wrong, wrong, wrong. I and I ask you to read the articles and tell me it's not wrong. Lieutenant Governor response. Kinder we'll is on. the only person on this stage, <clears throat> the last person on this stage, who should be trafficking in tabloid stories about <clears throat> men hanging out in strip clubs. Why don't you tell the people of Missouri about your own history, Peter? I don't get into personal attacks. I'm talking about an issue. I'm talking about I'm talking you. About yes. You, you don't get into about, personal I'm attacks, Peter Kinder. Lieutenant Governor Kinder, tell the people about your own history. I, the floor is yours. You know, I, I think we need to raise the uh, discussion yes. here. Right. Of, uh, You're exactly right. That exchange came months after Greitens had an extramarital affair. Well, we don't know if he still was, so, I mean, but that's kind of a It was in thing. 2016. The affair right. happened in 2015. Right, but the point is is that there's – in these things, you, you, you don't know – you don't know. My, my point for bringing that up, the, the episode that he was referring to with the lieutenant governor, who, by the way, has never been married and has, was single at the time, happened in the 1990s. Correct. Early 1990s. And I, I, want, I wrote about it. And I just want to note that Lieutenant Governor Kinder was very open with the press at the time to a point in, in discussing the matter. He conducted like four or five interviews about it. He answered tons of questions. And you got to give credit for him dealing with that issue head on because he eventually won re-election and was a viable candidate afterwards. Yeah, but one of the interesting things about the backstory about what happened with Kinder, which kind of uh, emphasizes why Greitens may be very careful about this, is that even though in the case of Kinder, the episode had been... Um, uh, well over, I mean, close to 20 years from when he was running for re-election in 2012, he had some major Republican donors who told him not to run for re-election. They backed one of his Republican rivals in the primary that summer. So the point being that even though it was farther back, and 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 in that case, as this one, the woman was reticent to say much, the bottom line was that so many Republican um, establishment people were so upset with Kinder about this that and that you can see why Greitens in this case may have been reticent to come clean. Yeah. And 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 what did he do like the day after all this stuff blew up? He's on the phone 
with his donors, trying to ease them. He's also talked to Republican legislators as well, which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, and so has his wife, Sheena Gray. Yes. I also want to play this clip from Representative Gina Mitten of of Richmond Heights, because I think that it, it kind of encapsulates why, again, a lot of people are reacting strongly, aside from the hypocrisy angle that I just mentioned. I would characterize each of these um, allegations taken as a whole uh, creates a stew that's that's pretty bad. And, you know, look, having an extramarital affair is not a good thing, obviously. Having an extramarital affair with a woman that is married is also bad. Having an extramarital affair with a woman that's married in your own home, I think, touches at the nerves of a lot of folks. And I'm not sure whether or not his wife was pregnant or had just given birth, but, you know, that in and of itself, I think, is pretty um, unwholesome behavior. And when you add the other allegations that I understand have been denied, it, it creates what I would call it, you know, a much bigger snowball. And then the question, and, and I think what what these other Republican leaders that you discussed are saying is that, you know, if there are more incidents with other women, that snowball just gets bigger. And eventually the weight of it obviously is going to, you know, it's going to crash. There was a reason I played that clip beyond the fact that I think it, it pretty much sums up this situation perfectly. I've heard from multiple people from both parties that say if the governor is not forthcoming and there's more instances where he was unfaithful to his wife, he is politically dead and he will pretty much have no choice but to resign. What have you heard, Joe? Yeah, well, kind of similar things. I think that's why the uh, Republican leadership in the House and Senate put out these very similar statements where they said they were deeply concerned, they were troubled, they called on the governor to be transparent and honest. And of course, the backdrop of this, as Jason and I have often written about, is that the governor is not on good terms with most of the Republican leaders in the legislature on issues grounds. Um, He hasn't mingled with many of them at the Capitol. He came in as an outsider and he has been governing as an outsider, which has its strengths and its weaknesses. And one of the weaknesses is, is that he doesn't have strong relationships with them. So in many cases, when he's trying to advance certain parts of his policy agenda, they push back if they disagree because there hasn't been sort of this uh, back and forth and, and a more of a close relationship. So the so in other words, when all this came up, you've got people who are ready to throw him under the bus because, I, I, because they feel they've been thrown over the— thrown under the bus on other things. And there were it was not surprising to me that the most uh, fierce Republican critics were people like Senators Gary Romine, Rob Schaff, and Doug Leibla, who coincidentally have all been attacked by a politically active nonprofit staffed by the governor's staffers that doesn't reveal its donors uh, over the past year or so. But one of the things I also noticed is I'm starting to see comments from people who I would not consider Greitens antagonists on the Republican side basically saying that if the allegations of blackmail that were that were contained in the KMOB report were true, then the governor needs to resign immediately. One of the people I talked to today was Representative Jean Evans, a Republican from Manchester. She was one of the legislators that has talked directly both with the governor and first lady. And I, I asked her to kind of elaborate on her other prior statement saying that uh, the governor should resign if, if the blackmail allegations are true. 
Well, that's a crime, right? That's, that's a serious crime. I think if any of the allegations of violence against this woman turn out to be true, then he should resign. We cannot allow someone who has been violent with women to be the leader in our state. So right now, we don't know that, right? So until we have clarity around this, we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. At the, at the same time, we want answers. We want transparency. We want to know exactly what happened. If he wants to allege that this woman has lied about everything that's on the tape um, and be transparent going forward about any other allegations regarding his administration, I think that would go a long way in toward winning back the trust. So... What do you make of the fact that uh, not a lot of Republicans, even Republicans that have previously worked well with the governor, are rising to his defense? Because it kind of confirms a suspicion that I, I thought was possible that some Republican leaders, especially maybe in the House, always kind of had some misgivings about the governor, uh, at least from a public policy standpoint and from a stylistic standpoint, but they weren't as vocal as, as people in the Senate were. What, what, what's kind of your take on that? Yeah, it's similar, because frankly, I mean, of the four major candidates for governor who were Republicans, Greitens did not have a bunch of institutional support from um, uh, Republican lawmakers. He, he did have Republican support, but it was mainly from other Republicans who were also considered outsiders or renegades, which was one of his attractions to some voters. Now, I think, again, what they're going to be waiting for to see if somebody else comes forward and if somebody else comes forward and gives their own story. I cannot emphasize enough, this is not the woman coming forward. This is her ex-husband coming forward with a recording that he says is of hers and that was not doctored by her. But in the recording, which was a private conversation, at least she thought it was, he promises that whatever's being said will not go beyond the, the uh, they were in a car, in the car that they were in. Well, he obviously lied about that. So you don't know if, if you can trust him on other aspects of it. This is not the woman coming forward telling her story. This is her ex-husband coming forward and telling his version of her story. And a lot of people have made that point, you know, that this should have been the woman's opportunity to make the allegations and to tell her story. There have been some people that think that the ex-husband has the right to do this because apparently it was the catalyst for their marriage disintegrating. Um, I know what I tend to fall on the side that I would have been more comfortable running this story if it was the woman making making the allegations. Well, I think that's why most of the press outlets that had heard of this, um, and some of them had obviously far more information than you and I did. Because, Absolutely. Because as far as I know, the the gentleman and his lawyer didn't shop it here, but they shopped it to a number of other outlets. Well. Many, most of the outlets refrained because the woman declined to talk and they couldn't verify stuff. So I think that's sort of what's happening. And, and I'm not being critical of KMOV. Like I'm no. just, I'm just saying what my inclination would be. Uh, they, uh, Lauren Traeger was actually on St. Louis on the Air today, and I, I, I highly recommend that you listen both to her and her executive editor Shula Newman talk about the process. Um, but enough journalistic navel-gazing. I want to talk about one of the reasons why Greitens either staying in office or leaving is so important. It has nothing to do with his national ambitions. 
It has nothing to do with whether he runs for president or vice president in 2020 or 2024. I know that's kind of up top of mind of a lot of national political observers, but I am very state centric. And even though Lieutenant Mike, even though Lieutenant Governor Mike Parson is also a Republican, he differs pretty substantially on some major policy issues from the governor. The one that I pointed out multiple times is low-income housing tax credits. Um, for people that don't know, Governor Greitens helped engineer a situation where state low-income housing tax credits are no longer being issued. It's rather an embargo. It, it's basically an embargo, and that's $140 million worth of low-income housing tax credits. A year. It is not out of the question that he could have kept that embargo for four to, you know, four to eight years if he wanted to, um, if, if the legislature didn't make changes to the program. That is an impact of hundreds of millions of dollars to bankers, syndicators, developers. and developers. Yes. So if Parson becomes governor, Parson is a strong supporter of that incentive. I think it is kind of a foregone conclusion that he would reverse that decision. That's not only that issue, though. It's also the Board of Education yes. situation, which we've talked about. I, Parson has also differed on uh, the cuts to in-home health care. And I should just add that Parson, while I don't think he's universally beloved within the Missouri General Assembly, one of his calling cards is that he tends to work well with legislators because he's a former state senator. And he, he's willing to, I say, take some tough stands in, in difficult policy positions. On the, on the podcast that we posted on Monday, he came out in favor of a gas tax increase and said that statewide officials need to actually vocally support it because it's so important for the transportation infrastructure. I, that's something I don't believe Greitens would do because I think it would be too, seen as too risky. Yeah, I mean, well, because Greitens and Parson come from different backgrounds. Greitens is from uh, uh, an urban suburban background. He grew up in suburban St. Louis. Uh, Parson is from a rural background, and while Greitens definitely is trying to show concern for for rural voters and rural constituents, the fact is where you come from does affect your worldview of things. And now, and also in the case of Governor Greitens, he does he has made no secret of his national ambitions. He's been traveling a lot around the country for the, over a year now, um, showing up at national major conservative events. I believe that a number of the donors to his to the nonprofit, a new Missouri, by the way, are that's what's probably called. some of these major national backers. There's no way to know for sure. We don't know. It, it is a 501c4. We don't know the donors. That's been a source of major and, contention. And he can raise money for that. He can raise money for that. Right. I mean, and and so especially because he's a state candidate, but, uh, and and many of his people have close ties. To Nick Ayers, who is now the the chief of staff for Vice President uh, Mike Pence, which is probably why you've seen a lot of of, of photo ops with the governor and, and Mike Pence. The, the The reason I've been kind of emphasizing the low income housing tax credit thing and also the other issue differences is I think that there are people within Missouri politics that clearly have a direct interest in Greitens stepping down and Parson becoming governor. I'm not trying to be conspiratorial here. 
I'm just stating facts right now. Right, and, and we're not talking just Democrats. We're talking— We're talking Republicans, too. Right. And Republican-leaning And we're not alleging anything, too. and we are not defending the— I'm not defending the governor for even nor, what, nor am he, I. what I, he admitted to. But I, I, am not to def- give- I am also not defending him. But I do feel like it's important for people that listen to us to know that this is not a situation where one Republican is replaced by another Republican with similar views on, on public policy. This would actually be meaningful from a public policy standpoint. I, I just cannot emphasize that enough. Right. And I think sometimes people forget um, like in all the national back and forth, sometimes they focus too much on performance or what President Trump says or this and that. But really, the nitty gritty is what a candidate does, what a politician does. So a lot of the stuff that's the the blowback or the underlying tensions underneath this has to do with what the governor does and not just in his uh, private life, but in his professional life. I'm glad you mentioned that because there's one Republican political observer, John Hancock, a person that both of us know very well, who does not believe Greitens will end up resigning if nothing else comes out. Right. And, and we need to emphasize Hancock is a longtime uh, Republican consultant, used to be the executive director of the state Republican Party, and most recently was the chairman of the state Republican Party. Here's his sentiments that he told me yesterday that I felt were, were quite eloquent. I'm taking Governor Greitens at his word, and the word that he put out last night about the, the particular circumstances of this situation, and um, and I'm going to choose to believe until facts prove otherwise that uh, this is a one-time transgression uh, that that he engaged in, and and uh, and hope that all involved can move on through it and have a happy and healthy life. Joe, you and I have had private conversations about how I I feel about this. I'm going to keep that private. But one thing I will convey publicly is I I really do feel that I really do feel a lot of pain, I think, for the governor's wife and kids. I mean, I'm going to just put it that way. As a father and a husband myself, I, I, I want to take at face value the statement that They've moved on from this, and they can raise their family as well. I think the bigger question, though, is whether the governor should focus on that and not be governor anymore. What, I mean, what, what's, what, how do you think he ends up with this? Well, I think it depends on what happens. I mean, again, we're just observers, and I, like you, and like you, I feel very uncomfortable looking into somebody's personal life unless it affects public policy. I, I mean, I feel the same way. Because, frankly, what goes on in a marriage, I've been married over 40 years. What goes on in a marriage is very private. Um, so that said, um, I think that it's going to depend on if there's other cases, that incidents that come forward, um, if his, I mean, if other Republicans uh, are willing to move on, uh, if the governor lets us make more more overtures to lawmakers. But again, a lot of it's going to depend on if there's another shoe out there. I think that's what we'll be watching for in the coming days and weeks. Thank you, Joe, for recording this special podcast with me for all of our stories. STLPublicRadio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at Jay Manis. It's J M A N N I E S. And we'll be back next time. Thank you and have a great weekend.